Romans chapter 4, we're going to read three verses here to begin here. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, is found? What can we say that Abraham has discovered? Verse 2, for if Abraham were justified by works, this is what we'd say, good works, best efforts. If Abraham were justified by works, oh, he hath whereof to glory. He's got a right to boast. And then Paul corrects it and says, be careful, not before God. Maybe you can brag and boast before someone else, but nobody can brag before God. Verse 3, for what saith the scripture? Please underline or circle those words. What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, Paul is specifically writing to his Jewish audience. He does this from time to time in the book of Romans. If you want to read one book that's dedicated mainly to Jews, it's Hebrews. But Romans got a mixture of Roman uh, Gentiles, Roman Christians, Roman uh, uh, Jews, and unsaved Jews. All a mixture in one book. But he's talking specifically to the Jews. And he already in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, he's proven we're all sinful by nature. Whether we're Jew or Gentile. See, the Jews didn't like to consider being called a sinner. A, a Jew, a Jewish person, thought of the Jewish people as close to God just, just by birth, just by religion. And they saw the rest of the world, all the, what they called Gentile dogs, that all those Gentiles, they're sinners. And Paul has proven in chapter 1, 2, and 3, sorry, we all are sinners. Did you know that Jews lie? <laughs> now, you may laugh at that because you're all Gentiles, but a Jew would... Do you know Jews steal? Do you know Jewish people, they commit adultery? They have idols in their hearts just like us Gentiles do, amen? So Paul is talking to the Jews, and he's proven that we are sinful by nature. And then he asks... Well, how can a sinner become righteous? Again, the idea I'm going to keep coming back to this, the Jews thought they already were good. You ever met anybody like that? Oh, I'm a Catholic. Oh, I'm a Protestant. I'm okay. No, you're a sinner. The question you need to be asked is, how do I get right with God? It's not what church do I need to join. It's not what prayer I need to pray. It's how do I get right with God? Because my relationship with God will determine whether I'm allowed into heaven one day. I watch people ignore their sinful nature. <laughs> um, I, uh, I wonder if anybody in here has ever had anybody tap their car while parking and then drive off and never let you know that they tapped your car and scraped it along the side. People just ignore their own sinful nature, don't they? They don't own up to it. Uh, people act like it's okay for what they watch on their phones. That it's okay for them to tell a lie. It's okay to look on other people in lust and in envy. They, they don't mind taking advantage of other people and stealing from them. No wonder we have a generation after generation of unstable, mentally unstable people, full of anger, depressed, and sometimes in prison because they won't deal with the sin that's in them. Wouldn't it be amazing... Wouldn't it be amazing, i got to come to here to say, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to be made right with God, for the crooked to be made straight? Some of you may have metal um, uh, coat hangers. I've had to use coat hangers in the old days to open up the car, okay? 
Now there is no way on earth to open up an electronic car and all this stuff. But once you've un, you know, twisted that, that uh, coat hanger, trying to put it back, it's just, it's all messed up, amen. Might as well keep it as a, as a, a door unlocker, amen. How do you make straight that which is crooked? Hmm. Would it be nice to be able to forgive someone enough so that they could be free from guilt? Wouldn't that be awesome? Paul's going to look at Abraham here, and he's asking about Abraham, one of the most influential men in history. He, if you haven't figured it out, was the founding father of the entire Jewish race. He was a man that God called his friend. Let me just quote from you. Isaiah 41, verse 8 says, But thou, Israel, you're my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, you are the seed of Abraham, my friend. That's God talking. I mean, I may meet you and says, I'm a friend of God. God's my friend. Amen. I'm glad for that. I hope that's true. But when God brags about you being his friend, that's a great thing. And then he asks, he says, what did Abraham discover about getting right with God? I think that'd be a good place to start. Amen. So he, he wants to find out what Abraham started. So look back there in verse one, and he calls Abraham our father. Not the our father that you grew up praying. All right, watch what he says. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? He's referring to Abraham, uh, the physical father of the Jews. He's, he's referring to them as the start of the Jewish race. We call them, uh, the people back in 1916 here in Ireland, what do we call them? The founding fathers of our nation. Abraham's the founding father of the Jewish race. Um, but being related to Abraham physically was not the most important relationship that the Jews needed to have with Abraham. Do you understand? The Jews had this idea that as long as they were Jewish, as long as they were genetically DNA related to Abraham, they were okay with God. Do you know what I found? I found the same thing is true. Yeah, I was born a Catholic. My parents were Catholic. And you think that makes you right with God? Uh, well, my parents were Christian. They believed every generation must be born again. Amen. Your parents cannot pass on salvation, cannot pass on eternal life to you. You must get that yourself. You've got to go yourself to Jesus Christ and get for it forgiven and get saved. Amen. Amen. The Jews were, were, were struggling with this. Anybody can produce children, amen. <laughs> but passing on what you learn to your children is far much more, far more important. Abraham had a relationship with God that his children needed to grasp and to have. So look at what Abraham discovers. Let's look at one and two again. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, our physical father to the Jews, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, think of, by going to church, by praying prayers, by giving money. If he was justified, if he was made good, if he was made right, if he was pardoned by works, wow, he hath whereof to glory. We'd say boast. And then he says, but not before God. So two questions real quick. Number one, was Abraham made right with God uh, by his efforts? Now, you... You guys read the, you've read all the chapters. You can answer. But think about a Jew as they're going through. 
immediately, if they stop right there, they go, sure, he was made right by his works. He, Abraham, was a good man. They would have believed that Abraham was made right by God by his best efforts, by his good works, by his own righteousness. But Paul is asking, was he made right by his best efforts or by God? The question goes deeper because Paul is asking, can righteousness be bought? Can you go to a priest and buy forgiveness? They had some called the Reformation over that issue. They called it indulgences, where you went to the priest and you paid off the sin you were about to commit that night. <laughs> and the Catholic Church made money out the wazoo. Can righteousness be bought? Can it be earned? Can it be worked for? And you may be saying, no, no, no. But then I wonder how you're living. Most every Jew reading this book in the first century would have exclaimed, of course you can. Their founding father, Abraham, was a good man. There's no way to deny. He was a great man. He was a faithful man. He was even a godly man. And so every Jew believed they just needed to work hard at being good like Abraham. You'd be a good little boy and be like your older brother. You'll be fine. Why, why can't you be like your older brother? Remember having that? So that was their mentality. If we just be like Abraham, they too could be called the friend of God. They'd be allowed straight into heaven when they died. They just worked hard at it. You know, it's so sad. Almost every Catholic I meet, and I'm not just, don't, don't think I'm only talking about Catholics. I deal with people who are atheists, agnostics. They all have good works in their life. They're all trying to be good people. It's amazing to me when an atheist talks about morality. Doesn't that bother you? On what basis do they have morality? You know what their morality is? It's based on the Bible, but they don't admit it. But most everybody I believe I meet believe they just need to work hard at being good, like Mother Teresa. I just need to be like Pope John Paul II. If I just could live up to being like the saints of Ireland, I'll be allowed to go straight into heaven when I die. That's what most people believe. Then Paul says right off the bat, he says, no one can boast before God. And that's, a tr that's a hard truth. If, especially if you're very religious. If Abraham can earn righteousness by his own efforts, then guess what he could do when he walked into heaven? Hey, God, I'm here. Do you see what I did? You see all the stuff I did that got me here? You can't do that. There's no way to brag and boast before God. It's like an ant boasting to, uh, you know, a, a wrestler. There's no boasting by the ant, and there's no boasting by a sinful man. So where does that leave us? <laughs> I mean, if I, if I can't earn it, if I can't, if I can't brag about it, and I you, know, you heard about the, the guys who are sitting there, and they're at the pub, and the first guy says, guys, guys, I'm telling you, man, I only come in here once a week. I've got full control of my drink. I only take one pint, and I go home. Next guy... Next guy says, well, you know, I, I take two or three, but I've never been under the table. And the third guy says, well, I've had more than three, and I always get under the table, but I've never thrown up at, at the pub. Next guy says, man, I've wallowed in it, but they always find a way to get me out. <laughs> what is each one I'm doing? Bragging. Isn't that funny? We always find a way to brag about some way I'm not as bad as someone else. And when you compare yourself among yourselves, you're not wise, the Bible says. You need to look at how you really are, and you cannot brag before God. So where does that leave us? Well, look in chapter 4, verse 3 now. Again, 
Paul says, all right, we can talk about religion, we can talk about opinions, we can talk about what different people say, but verse 3 is powerful. What saith the scripture? Let's settle it, amen? <laughs> That's the right place to find the answers. And what does the Bible say? Keep reading. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for... Wow. You know, a lot of people believe only what is popular or controversial. And I'm going to say something. Again, I'm talking to Catholic Ireland. I don't know. Uh, but this is, see, I'm talking to the most religious people here amongst, amongst us uh, in this community, which are going to be Catholic. Um, uh, most people are Catholic because, are you ready? Most people are Catholic. You take on the religion of the people around you. And the Jews were religious because they were Jews. I've watched people become, they tend to believe what's controversial. They get really off into some weird things. Other people, all they're interested in is what they can promote among themselves. But listen to Martin Luther. He's surrounded and he's being put on trial by the Catholic priests, the bishops, and the Pope at that time. And he gave a defense of his doctrines at the Diet of Worms in... 18th of April, 1521. That's two days from now. He says this, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me, amen. amen. He says, you want to try to convince me I'm wrong? Convince me from scripture. Otherwise, that will not go over me. I will believe what's in the book. And that was the foundation for the Reformation. God gave us the Bible to know what to believe, folks. God gave you a book to know what to believe. He didn't give, the only reason why I'm here is trying to help you learn the Bible. So Paul makes the Bible the authority over popes, princes, uh, theologians and philosophers. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to come back to Romans because what Paul is quoting when he says uh, Abraham, uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted in him for righteousness, he's quoting from Genesis chapter 15. And by the way, Pope John Paul II said Genesis is a myth. Does that help you? No, I'm going to go back there. And I'm just going to believe it. Amen. Especially looking about righteousness. Look at your Bible. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, you tell me you're, you're my reward. Well, what wilt thou give me? What is my reward? Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. He's my head steward. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. You're not giving me any child. And lo, one board in my house is mine heir. Somebody's going to get everything that I've earned. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. At this point, he's 75 years old, and he, he's impotent. He cannot have children. His wife is barren. They're not having any children. And God says, you're going to have a baby 
out of your own bowels shall be thine heir. Verse 5, and he brought him forth abroad. And this is great because here's Abraham. Abraham is going, huh? God says, come on out with me. It's nighttime. He looks up to the sky. He brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward the heaven. Why don't you tell the stars? Now tell means count. Start counting. One, two, three, four. You'll be there all day and night for a month of Sundays. He's counting and he's looking up at the Milky Way and the stars. And while he's looking up there, he says, tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Now, what would you do if God actually told you that? <laughs> I don't have one. And you're telling me I'm going to have that many? It's impossible. Next verse. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. That's breathtaking. Did you notice God promised Abraham if he just believed he who has no children that he would have children that number the stars of the sky. So shall thy seed be. And the truth is we can talk about what is this that, 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 that makes a man righteous? Abraham believed what God promised, and it worked. Abraham did believe in himself. That's what New Age says. Believe in yourself. You notice how many movies tell you that? How many kids are being told, believe in yourself, believe in yourself. And a lot of your parents are fueling it by going, I believe in you. You're the best. You're the best. Stop saying that. Because they're not the best. You want to encourage them to be the best. But this new age thing of look within you, find the light within you is of the devil. You need to realize there is sin in us and we need to be made righteous. Amen. The only good in me is Jesus Christ. And if I do anything that's good, it's because I've yielded to him. He didn't believe in himself. He didn't believe in science. They didn't have IVF yet. He didn't believe in religious efforts and faith healers. He just believed God and what he had promised. Go back to Romans now. Romans chapter 4. You'll see this thing come all around. Romans chapter 4. In verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and he was counted unto him for righteousness. This statement is not Abraham's boast about his faith. Somebody comes to me and says, I, I, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying, Pastor. Amen. Good. That's encouraging to me that you're took away from camp what you're supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to walk with God. Amen. But that's you talking. What about when God talks and he says, Abraham, believe me. That's God boasting. Now that'll work. Wouldn't it be nice if God said, uh, well done, my thou good and faithful servant. This is my friend. Man. God didn't boast about Abraham being a good man, a great man, a chosen man. He boasted God that, that Abraham just believed him. Now, belief simply means accepting something is true, even though you don't understand it, simply because of who promised it. That's what belief is. That's what faith is. Abraham did not tell God what to do. He didn't tell God what he wanted. I want a kid, God. No, God said, I'm going to give you a kid. And Abraham went, what do you mean? He said, let me show you. See all those stars? That's what I mean. And then Abraham went, okay, you're a God. I believe it. <laughs> if you promise it, I believe it. That 
is how you become righteous. Abraham knew it was impossible, but because he believed God was able to do whatever he promised, he decided to believe in the impossible promise. Christians used to believe in the impossible, folks. Now science has made it so that we really, we wait for science to fix things. You know, um, becoming righteous, this is where Paul is going. Becoming righteous with God is just as impossible as a 100-year-old man having millions of kids. Do you understand? They're both impossible, but not with God. And if you'll trust the God who can give Abraham, not just one, but children out the wazoo, I mean, it's just throughout history, and it's not over yet, kids after kids after kids, plus people that have been adopted into the kingdom, which we'll talk about later. When it says counted, it was counted to him for righteous, it means it was counted up. It was added up. That simple decision of faith added up to perfection. If I were to have some scales here and I had your best efforts and I had your childlike faith, which one's heavier? Which one's greater? We are raised to think I've got to be more religious. I've got to do more. I've got to pray more. I've got to read my Bible more. I've got to be better. I've got to be nice. But the Bible says, faith is perfect. Believe God, and I'm in. I just believe God's able to save a wretch like me. I just believe God can save me. When you believe it's impossible, now you're ready to believe in the impossible. Amen? What was Abraham's faith like? Let's go back to, go down to verse, four, verse 19 in chapter 4. We'll deal with this when I get back. <clears throat> but I want to bring this out because what was it? Was it just a, a parrot? You ever heard a parrot? You go up to a parrot and you go, Polly want a cracker? And the bird goes, Polly want a cracker? Now, do you think that bird is thinking going, Polly wants a cracker? You think the, <laughs> think the, ra- ra- the, the rabbit, the, the parrot knows what he's saying? No, he's just parroting, isn't he? You know what most people, you know how they pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's just a prayer that they've learned and they're parroting it. They're using their mouths, but not their heart. Look what it says here. Uh, verse 19. I gotta find out where I am. Yes, verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now what? His body was impotent when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And I think Abraham's cool, but Sarah's got to be greater because she's 90 and she's about to have a kid. <laughs> they both have great faith, okay? Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God. This is our memory verse, through unbelief. Again, the idea is he's trying to believe God and then God gives him a promise that's impossible to believe and it should have shook him. It should have dropped him to the ground and he staggered not. He just said, I believe. I just believe. Keep going. Uh, He staggered. I'm going to read verse 20 again. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith just giving glory to God. I believe God can do it. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded. Guess what faith is? Being fully persuaded. I mean, being fully persuaded. There is a, um, there's a place on the Grand Canyon. It's out of the way. You've got to drive there. 
where a guy got the idea to freak people out. Now, they do it in China as well, but what he did was he created a platform 50 foot out over the Grand Canyon going down about a mile and a half, however far it is. And it's made out of plexiglass. <laughs> people go up there and they pay like 50 euros to go walk around on that thing looking straight down. What's funny is they'll pay the money, they'll go out there and, and they won't go one more step on there. Do you know how you get to where you can walk on something and look down as if you're fully persuaded you're not going to die, amen? And too many people have the wrong kind of faith. They have a parrot kind of faith. They have a religious kind of faith. They have a mental faith. They have a simple, oh yeah, I believe. They don't have a, they don't have a persuaded faith. You need to be persuaded that you're lost and on your way to hell. I wish I could persuade you. I remember my pastor preaching years ago. He pleaded with, with us and with people in the audience. He knew there were people who were unsaved there. He said, I wish for just one minute God would open up the middle of our auditorium and you would see hell and you would feel the pull and you would know you're going there. I wish you knew that so that you would cry out to Jesus Christ and get saved. But I, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to believe the Bible because that's your future. What was, faith, what was Abraham's faith like? It was not flippant. It's not heret, uh, uh, parroting. Just mouthing the words. He was not hesitant. Let's keep reading. He staggered not. I already said that verse 21. Being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able also to perform and being fully persuaded. I'm sorry, verse 22. And therefore it was imputed, transferred, added up to him for what? He made him righteous. It made a sinner. You say, Abraham is a sinner? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We already dealt with that in chapter 3. His faith was strong. He was confident in God's ability to do what he had promised. And that belief activated a swap in his life. His faith allowed for his sinfulness to be swapped out for righteousness. Now, I've... Um, uh, years ago, when we when we moved to Ireland, we, we moved into our house there in Westcourt Heights, and uh, I remember discovering a fuse box that was about 30 years old. And one day, we had a lightning storm in the night, and all the power went out, and I popped that thing open, and I'm trying to find one of the fuses blown. I, I checked every one of them. Nothing was wrong. And I found out there was another box next to the box. You might know what I'm talking about. It's the main fuse. <laughs> and you pop that thing open, and it was black, man. It had been fried by some lightning. It was ruined. And I had to wait till Monday to be able to go and find a, a fuse because it was Sunday. And I, we were without power, stuff like this. But there was no power until that fuse was replaced. And the truth is, you have no relation with God until your heart, your sin has been replaced by righteousness. And your righteousness won't do. It's Christ's righteousness imputed to you. Does that make sense? And you know what's amazing? It has always been that easy to become righteous. You say, well, I didn't grow up learning that. I, I'm just telling you, all the way back to Abraham, you just had to believe God. If God said, trust the lamb, you trust the lamb. When John the Baptist cried out, this is the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world, trust Jesus, the lamb of God. Just trust what God says. Paul gives us two ways for a human to become righteous. Verse 4, go back to Romans 4, 4. Now to him that worketh, 
He's going to remind us is the reward, the payback, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So if I'm working, I'm expecting to be paid. Amen? It's out of debt. They owe it to you, verse 5. But to him that worketh not, hallelujah, that's me, believe, but believeth on him that justifieth the good. Is that what it says? Justifieth the little bit of sinner. That justifieth, pardons, let's put that in there, forgives the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. You either can try and earn it, and a lot of people do. They try it, or you can just accept it. Isn't that cool? Give you one more example. Go to dinner. Sit down. Your friend, or maybe your enemy, I don't know who it is. Somebody says, I'll take care of dinner. You go, no, 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 I'll take care of it. And he says, I already paid for it. No, 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 I don't want you to pay for it. I got to go up there and pay for it. But it's already paid for. Do you know what you need to do when somebody's already paid for it? Accept it. Say, thank you. You didn't have to do that. I didn't ask you to do that. I'm not worthy of you doing that, but thank you. Isn't that how we talk to God now? You did that? I didn't ask you. I, that was totally unfair. Jesus, who never did anything wrong, was punished for all of my wrong. And all I have to do is just believe it was enough. Thank you. Wow, man. Mm. So real faith in God's promises works. You just start believing. Can you get saved without the Bible? No. You cannot get saved in a Catholic church, a Protestant church, a Baptist church, Presbyterian, Pentecostal. You can't get saved in a church. You can't get saved in, on, on, on YouTube. You can't. You've got to get saved by the Word of God. Amen. You better know what God promised and go, I believe it. Amen? Because it activates. Faith activates the word, the, the promises of God. They're all in there. You want to turn them on? <laughs> Start believing them. <laughs> Paul says some words. He goes real quick here. Romans chapter 4, verse 6. He says, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth uh, righteousness without works. And then he quotes. We're going to go there in a moment. saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not. He stops himself from imputing sin to that person. Now, I want you to understand, David, uh, David describes the blessedness of not being condemned, and he could speak from experience. He was a married man, wasn't he? He's a grown man. He could excuse, he, there was no excuse for what he did. He committed adultery with a married woman named Bathsheba. And when he found out that she was pregnant, he tried to cover it up, didn't he? And when that didn't work, he had Bathsheba's husband murdered. Man, David knows about being in trouble with God. He should have died under the law of God. Hold your place here. Go to Psalm 32. Psalm 32 real quick. Psalm 32, in verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now, that's good for somebody who hasn't sinned really bad 
to say, oh, it's a blessing to be forgiven. But when you're the one that should die and you're allowed to walk away free, you go, blessed is he who is not going to die for his sin. Keep going. Blessed is the man on whom the Lord imputed, not iniquity. We'll talk about imputed in a moment. And in whose spirit there is no guile, meaning that I'm just real. Not hiding this anymore. Before, with guile, I tricked and I deceived and I manipulated the situation like a politician. I protected myself. Now there's no guile. Out in the open, everybody knows how wicked I am, and yet I'm forgiven. Amen. Wow. Amen. How blessed that is. His sins were covered. Now, when we talk about those words, we're talking about, um, you know, somebody saying, I, I covered the debt. I paid it off. And he says, my sins have been covered by a substitute. Do you know somebody who actually murders somebody else? Cannot just go to the judge and says, I'll be nice from now on. That, wouldn't, that shouldn't hold. A thief cannot just make up for the trouble he or she caused just by saying a few prayers. I'll pray 10 Hail Marys. Isn't that okay? I know I took their 56-inch uh, uh, TV, and I know I traumatized them breaking into their house, but I'll just go and pray a few prayers. Is that okay, Judge? His sins were covered by something else. David should have paid for that crime, but God provided another option, didn't he? It was an innocent lamb. Can you imagine growing up as a, as a young child in Israel, and you learn that sin has to be paid for, and daddy and mommy and older brother and sister, they bring that lamb there and they put their hands on the head of that lamb and they would say, God, I am wicked. I'm wrong. I'm a, I've, I've, I've become separated from you by my stupid sin, my selfishness, God. And I don't know why, but you want me back with you. So I let this lamb suffer and die in my place. And they would step back and that priest would cut the throat and the blood would come out and that lamb would convulse. And that little boy, that little girl would look and see the price of sin. And they would walk away saying, I don't want to sin. <laughs> I don't want that to happen again. And then they grow up and then they start struggling with lust of the eyes and they struggle with the acts of the flesh and the things in their heart. And then they say, I've got to bring a lamb. I want to be right with God. And they bring that lamb and they remember, this lamb is suffering in my place. It's not right, but thank you. And then one day you learn as a Jew of Jesus died on that cross. And when he died on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. He says, thank you. Just as those lambs were a substitute, now the Lamb of God is the perfect substitute. What kind of men did Jesus die for? Not good men. Ungodly men. That's why God is able to restore the ungodly. You say, so-and-so, boy, they've really fallen off the wagon. Is that a phrase here? Probably not. Oh, they really took a turn. Oh, so and so, man, he's really in a mess. Oh, she's really gone away from God. You know what God is able to do? Save, restore, repair anybody. Amen. See, just as impossible having a million kids and grandkids and great grandkids and great, 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 great grandkids, as impossible that was for a hundred year old, it's just as impossible to save an ungodly man. And yet God can do both. Amen. Isn't that cool? If you just believe it. And God chose not to impute on me iniquity. Iniquity is just a serious sin. He imputed it to Jesus Christ. As I just described, it's unfair. All the record that God has on my sin, he said, you're going to pay for it. As if Jesus did it, which he never did. 
And God decides, if you will accept my son, his record, his, his righteousness is given to you and your sin is put on him. You want it? <laughs> 42 years ago, I chose it. It's all based on if you would just believe that Jesus is the Messiah. See, they wanted a conquering political Messiah and they needed, the Jews needed a savior, didn't they? And so did we. Now the question goes on, look back there in Romans chapter four, verse uh, nine, he finishes this up and he says, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only? Is this only for Jews? Or upon the uncircumcision also? Do Gentiles who are uncircumcised, do they get to enjoy this blessedness? For we say that faith was reckoned in Abraham for righteousness, and we do. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision, when he was circumcised, or when he was in uncircumcision, when he was uncircumcised? He, verse 11 says, and he received the sign of circumcision. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision, when he was uncircumcised. Verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father, watch this, not of the Jews only, watch it, but of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them Gentiles, unto them ungodly also. I just think about this. Does it only work for the Jews? No. Righteousness was imputed when Abraham was not doing anything. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't keeping the laws. They weren't even written yet. He wasn't even circumcised. Abraham wasn't even a Jew when he believed God. God just challenged him to believe his promises. And circumcision is only a sign of righteousness that Abraham had believed God. It did nothing for Abraham's soul it just represented that he had a relationship with God, like my ring ought to tell ladies that I have a relationship already, amen? Abraham, as I said, was not even a Jew. He, he's not just the father of the Jews. He's the father of people who believe. That's why when he starts off, he says, what should we say about Abraham, our father? Oh, I get to claim Abraham. As my founding father, too. I'm not physically related to the Jews. I'm a Texan. We ain't related to anybody. But Abraham's, I, I, I've been adopted into his line of faith. I'm related to Abraham just by believing like Abraham did. He's my founding father, my great example of faith. Verse 11. He received, I think I read that, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, like me, that he might be the father of all them to believe, like me, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Abraham is a Christian's founding father. He is the reason why we believe. So what has Paul proven? Number one, that no one can boast before God. He has proven in verse after verse since chapter one that no one, that all men are sinful. Not even up to the same degree. Some people are more sinners, but we all sin. Some apple trees produce lots of apples. Some apple trees produce very few apples. Folks, they're an apple tree, and so are we sinners. No one can earn, work, 
or by their way to righteousness. He has proven that we are lost without God's intervention. We're doomed under the righteous wrath of God. Mm. And he's also, uh, um, we're going to talk when I get back, that how he is the judge and he is the justifier. He's the forgiver. I, I thought I had that verse in there, but it's, I'll have to come back to it next week, where he actually, he has to condemn sin, but he has a way to forgive sinners by condemning his son. It's just the whole point of this thing. All we need to believe is that he can forgive us also. Go to John 3, and we're through. John chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. John 3, in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him, gave him, and allowed him to die on that cross that whosoever is good enough, doesn't say that, does it? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish now, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Guess what? The world is already condemned. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. One more, Ephesians. Go to the right. Find Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through? And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not, say it verse 3, verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should. There you go. There's no way anybody's getting to heaven and they can boast about it. We'll all get in there and we go, Woo! <laughs> I'm here! <laughs> Faith works. <laughs> That's all you're going to cry out, folks. Listen, I know this. Uh, you may not care much about being right with God right now, but your relationship with God determines your access to God. And your walk straight into heaven is only dependent on whether you know him and he knows you. You need a personal relationship with, G with God through Jesus. You know, it's amazing. Jesus made it possible for you to be able to go right to the throne of God, talk to God, lean on God, get anything you need from God without him being upset at you. Jesus Christ made that possible. Any other attempt trying to go in any other way, say, well, I'll go in the back door. There is no back door. It's <laughs> one door, Jesus Christ. Any other way, you're going to be blocked, you're going to be kept out, and you will be condemned one day. And I pray that's not true in anybody's life this morning. Stand with me and let's bow in prayer. Father, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God, we're going to just think for a minute and examine our own hearts and wonder, what makes a person a Christian? Every head bowed, every eye closed. What, what, what justifies, what pardons, what fixes a sinful man's, a sinful woman's heart and life? By nature, we look at the wrong things. By nature, we say the wrong things. By nature, it's just, it's just how we are that we do the wrong thing. And we become accustomed to it, Lord, thinking that, well, it's just normal, it's natural when it's wrong and sinful and it separates us from you forever. But you did something to fix that. And instead of punishing the sinner like you are going to, 
You offer a way out. You offer a Savior. A Messiah who came and laid down his life for ungodly men and women. Lord, in this room, I just pray every person admits, I am ungodly. Don't like to think about it. Don't like to ponder it. But if I had to start to look at my life like God sees it, I would be ashamed from start to finish. And yet that's the person you loved. When you wrote, Jesus, when you wrote, God so loved the world, God so loved a wicked world. And we're going we're to be under your wrath. We actually already are. But you made it possible for us to be forgiven. So today... I pray somebody cries out to you and says, God, today's the day I'm believing. I'm believing that Jesus died for me. I am believing today. I'm not putting it off. I'm not floating along, hoping for the best. I am deciding right now, today, to follow Jesus. Follow him by faith. My works will fail. My mind will not understand. My heart will tremble. But my decision is firm. I am I am convinced, I am fully persuaded, you can do anything, God. And you want to save a wretch like me. And if you would save me today, I will live for you for the rest of my life. And for the Christian in here, help us to just know the blessedness that as we have received him, we get to live by faith now. It's just as sweet every day still. Salvation is just as good now, today, as it was the first day we got saved. We don't have to get saved again and again and again for us to enjoy it. We've been pardoned, forgiven. We've been made right. Amen. No wonder we should try and live right. No wonder we should do it with joy, not because of a yoke, but because we're free. So we love you, Lord. I just ask you, God, don't let anybody in this room come in and go out lost. May they be born again. May they be never, not, never shamed. Standing up saying, I'm following Jesus now. Because I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.